of all, he and Apollos are just laborers in God's vineyard. And that what they, who they are working with are not theirs. They belong to God. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye have believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Today we finish our discussion about where we can find disciples. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And uh, on today's episode, we are going to get back into uh, what we were began talking about last week about where I find disciples. Uh, my name is Simeon Brazel. I'm joined as usual by Pastor Brian Stewart. Good day. And we are looking forward to uh, digging in a little bit more. I'm going to read the passage that we left off with in the last episode. And we're going to talk today a bit more about people who are members of the body of Christ. They're already in the church that perhaps need to be discipled. We were talking about where do I find disciples? In last week's episode, we addressed that we first and foremost should find disciples by witnessing and then bringing those people who come to Christ along in discipleship. Amen. Uh, And the second way we looked at it was that there are babes in Christ that are not a member of your church um, that you can have the opportunity to bring along and disciple, um, like Paul and Apollos. And then the last one we looked at was that um, God gives purposes and functions within the church, um, people, he gives people functions within the church, and the purpose of those people is to grow those babes in Christ into adults. And we left with this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse number 4, it says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye have believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building." In this passage, the Apostle Paul addresses this idea that certain people say, well, you know, I'm, I was, I was won by Paul and that gives me a certain status, or I was won and discipled by Apollos and that gives me, you know, a certain status. And in another place, there was even people that were arguing, oh yeah, well, I was won by Christ. And so that makes me better than anybody. And Paul addressing here is saying, look, some people plant the seed. Some people get to water the seed. Both those jobs are one and the same. I find that interesting because we've talked about how discipleship begins with the witnessing process. Um, So he's saying the planting and the watering, the guy that plants and the guy that waters are one. They're doing one job, and that is to bring every person to Christ and see uh, Christ brought forth in their life. And he says that every man's going to receive his own reward according to his own labor. And so really we aren't responsible uh, for the outcome. God's responsible for the outcome. We're responsible for the labor. And he says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. That verse 9 there is really a a wonderful illustration or a wonderful truth for us to identify. Notice he says, we are laborers. Paul is talking here, and, and he's talking about him and Apollos. And he's saying, hey, it's like you pointed out, it's not be, it's, there's not a rivalry between us. 
But notice what he says here. We are laborers together with God. And mm-hmm. so discipleship is you and I laboring with God because any other laborer is going to be empty. It's not going to be productive. But notice mm-hmm. how he identifies the believers that they're working with here. He says, ye are God's husbandry, or you're his work. Ye are his God's building. And so mm-hmm. Paul is recognizing that, first of all, he and Apollos are just laborers in God's vineyard. And that what they, who they are working with are not theirs. They belong to God. And so when we are looking for people to that we need to find to disciple, we also need to recognize that they are not our disciples. Right. They are Christ's disciples. They belong to him. And he is just letting us invest in their life and share with them the truths that he has already invested in us. And I like the fact that when last episode we talked about finding the who to disciple and Paul and Apollos were two of the people that we talked about who were found mm-hmm. and they needed discipling. Now we fast forward to First Corinthians and now Paul and Apollos are the ministers, which is a wonderful picture of what if we are discipling properly, mm-hmm. that people are going to mature to the point where then they too can be fellow laborers with God in the work of the ministry. And so there is a a wonderful picture as well. And so it doesn't matter where we find them, because if they're not a part of God's kingdom, they need to be a part of his kingdom. If they're already a part of his kingdom, but they're not uh, matured, uh, bearing fruit, uh, then they need to be matured so that they can be bearing fruit, just like we are required to do as as well. Just kind of to to bring us back to this topic of people who are in the church, who are members of the church, who are children in the faith still, um, they may have been believers for quite a while. Um, And so because of the way our American church culture is and possibly church culture around the world, um, we have this idea that because someone's been in church for a long time, that that makes them a mature believer. And that may not be the case. And what happens here in the States a lot, which again is not necessarily optimal, but it happens. And that is that a, a pastor is brought in to pastor a church. And, you know, when, when the pastor arrives there, he has no way of telling immediately who the mature believers are, who the mature believers aren't. Um, who's a believer and who isn't, you know, that kind of stuff has to be discerned over time. And so we, we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, some different levels of spiritual growth and how those levels exist. And then how as a pastor, especially since pastor Stewart has some experience taking a church, um, that was previously pastored by somebody else. Um, how a pastor can go about working in the lives of people to bring these different levels of spiritual growth along. And to do that, um, I'm going to start in First John, in First John chapter two. He, uh, John, writing to the to a church here is he makes a point to differentiate between different people who are at different levels of growth. Um, in verse twelve, he says, "I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake." I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that was from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. 
And so there's three groups that are identified here. And then Christ also identifies a group called babes um, who have to drink the sincere milk of the word, right? So there's four groups in total, at least, that we can find here. There's babes, there's children, there's young men, and there's fathers or grown adults, but fathers are people who are reproducing. The most mature of those people are people who are reproducing. And so we won't dive into exactly into this passage on everything that John has to say to these different groups of people. We just wanted to identify um, for you that there are different places in which people can be. These are spiritual children, spiritual babes, spiritual young men, spiritual fathers um, that are listed here. And so there are different places. And so the first thing that you have to do, you're trying to find disciples within your own church because there are people in your church that are babes. There are people in your church that are children. And there are people in your church that are young men, and you want all of those people to advance eventually to become that the father's stage where they're reproducing and discipling others. Mm-hmm. And what we kind of wanted to talk about is how do you identify those people? And then how do you get to the point where you can begin to mature those people? So Pastor Stewart, I just wanted to start with this. How do you go about identifying where somebody is in a church and then you, you, you're going to have to have that conversation with them, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, really, about seeing them developed. So first, how do you identify where somebody's at? Well, that's a good question because that's really uh, one of the benchmarks of finding people to disciple. Um, and it's not an easy one, but it is, we are given instruction in Scripture. And so what uh, what we've had to do is go, we wanted to go to Scripture to be able to identify the wisdom that God gives us in His Word as to what are the characteristics of each of these different levels. And so we were able to put together a uh, teaching tool that we use to pass on this knowledge, not just so that I as the pastor know it, but it gives me a, a means by which I can teach it to those that I've discipled so that they too can have access to that same wisdom in Scripture. And so what we did was we took Jesus at his word when he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so by identifying what people say and then comparing that to what the Scripture says, and there are plenty of passages in Scripture that give us different uh, philosophies, different uh, different things that a person is going to say or beliefs that a person will express through their words, whether they actually are giving a doctrinal statement or not, they are actually speaking to what is their core beliefs or their uh, their worldview. Mm-hmm. And, and from that, from the things that they say, uh, Jesus says, you can see what's going on in their heart. And the heart is is uh, really the the part of us, our soul, where we make decisions, and that's the real us. And mm-hmm. so by taking what a person says, for instance, uh, the scriptures uh, teach us that a person who is uh, lost is going to be fearful. A person who is lost is going to be confused. And so because the lost person is confused and fearful, they also are faithless. They don't have any faith in Christ or in God. And so if somebody says, you know, I just can't, I, I'm just not sure I can really accept uh, that there's just one God out there. 
Well, mm-hmm. what is that? What by what they just told me, they are giving me an indicator. Now, does that mean that this person is absolutely spiritually dead, which is the first spiritual level of not really growth but existence? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the answer is just because they said that doesn't necessarily mean they're lost. Mm-hmm. But that's one of many indicators. And if I continue to listen to them, and then they tell me how messed up their life is and how confused they are, and 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 all these other things and these other characteristics that we've identified from Scripture are able to uh, point to the fact that there's a high likelihood that this person, no matter what they're saying uh, about their condition uh, as being saved or a Christian or not, because I can see these other characteristics, it will help me to identify most likely they are probably lost, Mm -hmm. which then will tell me what I need to do and helping them to get to where they need to be. Now I know I need to be dealing with the gospel. And it right. needs to be a heavy part of our conversation regularly until they either put their faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the salvation of their sins, or they demonstrate to me uh, that that really has happened. Mm-hmm. And I've had I've had individuals that I've wondered whether they were saved or not. And after three or four conversations, I was able to determine that they really were saved, but they were really just a babe in Christ. They'd never had any growth right. beyond that. But it took explaining the gospel to them four or five times and then them being convinced of that. And I didn't push them. I didn't shove them, but I did present the gospel that I prayed for them and asked the Holy Spirit to help them to determine because... You can't be saved twice. There's no mm-hmm. need for you to go through that process twice if you've truly done it. But if you've never done that and you've put your faith in a prayer, you've put your faith in a, a religion or in a in an individual or a statement that, you know, for instance, for the first time I prayed a prayer of uh, salvation, you could call it, I guess. I was about three years old, but I didn't have any recollection of it. And what I did remember, my mom informed me, no, that's not even where you were. You were over here and this and Mm -hmm. that. And I quickly learned that I didn't know what I was doing. So if I put my faith in that prayer that I'm saved and that my mom told me I'm saved, well, then that's not salvation. And so for me, I didn't end up getting saved until I was 18. And I finally realized that all the times that I had prayed prayers and gone through the baptistry, uh, were just simply what they were just me getting wet they were just me because my faith was not in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that's the only thing that saves mm-hmm. when I confess that with my mouth and I believe it in my heart that God raised him from the dead that's when I shall be saved the scripture says and so mm-hmm. uh, when we identify that person is dead now you may identify and, and in some cases I've identified that they're not spiritually dead, but they're a spiritual babe. They do desire the sincere milk of the word. They do desire the nutrition, and that's one of the telltale signs that you're dealing with a babe. But there are many other things that we understand in Scripture uh, that tells us that the person is in this babe condition. Mm -hmm. We also include toddler because baby, toddler are kind of similar. Uh, And then we have the next level is child. And there are certain things that a child is going to demonstrate spiritually that's going to help us to be able to identify them in that place. And so no matter where this person is, it's not about 
a, a status. This is not mm -hmm. about us establishing a status for somebody, but it is us recognizing that we are a part of the kingdom of God and the way that we are to be building that kingdom and to be uh, pursuing and seeking first his kingdom is through us fulfilling the Great Commission and the lives mm -hmm. of individuals through the local church. And so as we are pursuing that, then I need to know where these people are if I'm going to be a minister, one of these laborers with God, to intentionally and, pr and properly. Remember, he says, I'm gonna, you're going to become a fisher of men. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be. You're gonna catch men, but the, before you catch them, you gotta learn how to do it. You've got to yeah. go through that process. And so there's not just anybody can go out and and witness to somebody and then see that person developed into Christ likeness. It takes somebody who has had that shown in their life, mm -hmm. and that life has been passed on to them by Christ and through His Spirit and through His Word and the instruction of uh, a discipler so that we can be a follower or a disciple or a student of Christ, so then we can go out and help others to do the same. And right. so it's not about this status, but it's more about us just finding out where they're at so we can help them mm -hmm. to move uh, closer to that Christ-likeness in their life. Well, the, the point is that there are certain flags that can point you in the right direction that can show you, hey, this person is at this point in their Christian walk. And that doesn't mean that they have, that they're at that point in every area of their life. It just means, you know, they might be, they might be a, a, a young man when it comes to church attendance, yeah. but they act like a child when it comes to something else. Sure. And so, um, you know, that, but there are certain things that are indicators as to where they are as a whole that you can use and say, okay, these are a couple of flags in their life that tell me, all right, this person is very much matured in one area and not at all in another area. And so, you know, kind of how to help them. Amen. Um, yes. but if you, I would encourage our listeners to do a, a deep dive, a study on those different areas that the scripture talks about, about the babe do. And we, I think, you know, if you're a, if you're a pastor, you've probably done some study about what a babe is um, in Scripture. But look at what a babe is in Scripture. Look at what a child is in Scripture. Look at what a young man is in in Scripture and in fathers. You can start in First John chapter two is a great place to look. It doesn't talk about babes a lot, but it talks about children and and young men and fathers. Um, and you can find out some truths there about what a spiritual young man looks like, what a spiritual child looks like. And if you if you do that study and you see what these different things look like, you, now you have the flags, you have the posts and the signposts that'll tell you, okay, this is an evidence that this person is at this point in their spiritual walk. And so you know how to at least start with them. Um, and, you know, I would always start a little bit possibly lower than where you think they are, just in case. You know, if, if this person, you think they're a young man in Christ, you might want to start by teaching them the things you know to be true that you need to teach a child just to reinforce that first and figure out, you know, are they really a young man or perhaps they're a child and I've just misassessed them. Um, so I think I would start on the safe side and start there. You know, uh, speaking to that same point there, uh, in the time that I've uh, been able to work with people and and disciple people, I always start them out at the basic foundation. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where I was pastoring a church. I was, I think, saved for 18 years at the time, uh, something about that time frame. And uh, I'd been in ministry, 
either preparing for ministry and ministry most of my Christian life. And when I went through the basics and the first fundamental lessons on salvation and eternal security and those things, there were, there were big cracks in my understanding. And so I found that no matter really where you're at, the starting place is the same. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I started teaching this to you, we started where? We started at the first, at the basics. Now, did that mean that you didn't know anything beyond that? No. But it, uh, I don't know. I can't speak for you. But I know with me, there were cracks in my understanding. Mm-hmm. If And for no other reason on how to explain it to somebody else. But right. there were cracks in my understanding on how to apply it to my own life as well. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just in my explanation to others, but it was also in my understanding personally. And so mm-hmm. that shored all that up to the point where I was able to to mature. And when we did this deep study on these different levels of growth, I thought for sure that uh, I was going to come in as a parent. I mean, I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. I've been saved for you know 30 years or so. Uh, definitely, I'm. I've, you know, if anybody's going to be a parent, I'm going to be at that maturest level. And it was interesting because there were still things in my life, even at that point, a few years back, that I found that I was still acting like a child. When we mm-hmm. identified some of these behaviors, that I was still acting somewhat like a child, and then some, I was acting like a young adult. And very few of the things were I acting like a parent. And a and a and a, uh, a father to use First John's uh, title. Yeah, and I think we we can all if you do a study on this, if the listener does a study on this, they're going to find that to be true in their own life. I mean, I'm I'm working some of this through some of this stuff with my wife right now, um, and we're going through it, and she's teaching some of this to somebody else as well. And as we're going through it, I'm in my own heart and mind, as I'm teaching this to somebody else, I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I could use that. <laughs> I yes. could work on that. And that's just because that's the way that the the Word of God works. It's the way the Holy Spirit works. And we, we identify things in our own life that it's like, look, I'm not there on that. Yep. And um, that growth process definitely takes place. That's, again, that's another reason we've talked about this before, but the teacher often learns more than the student. Um, yes. And they're not going to catch everything the first time around. Uh, but when you teach it to them and then they begin to teach other people, sometimes you do begin to develop, um, those young men, you know, what they're instructed to do in first John, a lot of it has to do with being strong and attacking the devil. They've overcome the wicked one. They've, you know, and so they're, they're seeing victory in their life and growth in their life, but they're not reproducing yet when they become fathers and begin to reproduce and to instruct in other people, it's a whole nother level of growing and maturity that's taking place in their life. Um, that teaching process, I've learned a lot from my kids, even though they can't teach me, but they've taught me anyway. And, um, you know, so that that's definitely true. So we've talked about how you identify, um, somebody where they are spiritually within the church. Again, we're talking about churched people here. Yes. Now, as a pastor or as a Christian who just has a heart to see people grow and mature, how do you go about approaching someone? I would say most churches, if not, there's people like this in probably every church, but a lot of churches in the States are full of uh, young men and babes or children, 
You know, they may not actually have that many babes because they may not be seeing a lot of people saved, but they probably have a lot of children and young adults. And those young adults have been um, in church for quite a while. They've picked up a lot of stuff through pulpit ministry, through personal Bible study. They're starting to see some victory in their life, but they aren't reproducing. Um, so I think most churches are full of children and young adults. And you you see that, you identify that, you figured out the people in your church that 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 you need to see grown into uh, fathers, as the scripture says, or parents, how do you go about approaching those people who've been in church for a long time um, and and explaining to them that you'd like to teach them more about the scripture and bring them along? Um, you ha- you've had some experience in that. You know, I know you've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but just kind of bring that to mind again. Okay. Uh, first of all, a lot of times I'm going to identify people uh, by their the characteristics of what they're doing. I have a, a friend of mine. He's uh, I don't think he'd have a problem with using his name, but he's an evangelist friend. Uh, his last name is Summerdorf, David Summerdorf, and uh, he was with me a few years back, and he gave me the definition uh, that he would give to his kids uh, on the difference between a boy or a young man and a man, and the difference that he would say is that a boy. Uh, can't take care of himself and can't provide for himself but a man can only can not only provide for himself but he can provide and and, and protect and provide for others as well mm-hmm. and I think that's really a, a good indicator if we want to identify the difference between a father or a parent uh, spiritually speaking and a young adult or a child or even a babe or a toddler is that are they able to take care of themselves spiritually? In other words, do they have the tools to go to God's Word, study it for themselves, mine out the truths of God's Word by using the rules of a good Bible study? Because Paul tells us when we study, we're to what? Study, or we're to, uh, to run the race how lawfully. And so we need mm-hmm. to study lawfully according to the rules of a good Bible study. And in doing so, if that person can do that on their own, there may be uh, some other things that we can help them with, but primarily that's a good indicator that they can go to the Word of God and get the, the depths of the Word of God and get meat out of the Word of God to sustain themselves, mm-hmm. but then also sustain others. And uh, what is sad is that I don't want us to confuse this with being able to preach a message or teach a Sunday school class with an outline that's already given to you. Uh, or there's there is a lot of preaching that is not studying the scriptures. It's just coming up mm-hmm. with an outline and and talking about spiritual things. Um, right. And it's unfortunate, but there at times I've heard a lot of preaching that would fit in the category of what I call an amen factory. In other words, mm-hmm. we say things that people already know. And we know that they're going to say amen to it. And so we string a bunch of comments together that would produce a bunch of amens. Mm -hmm. And then that, because nobody's been challenged and nobody's really had to think about anything, including the one doing the speaking, then we say that's a good message because we walk away having said amen a bunch of times. Um, That's not being able to get into the word of God and mine out the truths that are there. Uh, and so if somebody's not been taught the rules of a good Bible study, uh, then 
they need to be taught that, and then they need to be taught how to apply those to the scriptures, not just know them right. intellectually. And so when I would approach somebody, it could come from many different uh, aspects. Uh, one thing that has led to being people being discipled within the church is when they come to me with marital problems and they're struggling in their marriage. And a lot of times the reason a couple will struggle in their marriage is because they don't have the right relationship with Christ they need to have. And so right. if they're not Christ-like, then that's the, the root cause of all of the other symptoms that we're seeing. And so we may need to, in that counseling, initially deal with whatever the symptom is in some regards, and we want to deal with that from Scripture. But then ultimately, if I'm going to help this family go to maturity, the best thing I can do is get the father and the mother discipled and any mm -hmm. other children that are of age and that have professed a, a profession in Christ that uh, get them discipled. And if they are growing and maturing into Christ-likeness, then what would we expect in that home? We would expect unity. We would expect peace. We would accept, uh, expect harmony. And as each individual in that home gets closer to Christ, they're getting closer to each other as well. And right. so a lot of times we spend a lot of time as pastors trying to counsel people with all the symptoms and all of those other things. And then we, I don't think intentionally, but we neglect the fact that we're here to build them up into Christ. They're God's building mm -hmm. and as an individual or as a family. And so a lot of times when I start counseling somebody, whether it's for pre-marriage or marriage counseling, that will lead to us discipling those individuals and expressing to them, hey, let me show you why you're, this symptom is this. Why, why are you having that problem? It's because you're not mature in Christ. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I may not use those direct words. I'll, I'll try and be a little softer or whatever, but that's the point I'm wanting to get to them. And however the Holy Spirit leads me to teach that to them in that moment um, is how I'm going to direct that conversation to saying, hey, you need somebody to take you through and show you these things so that you can then be a mature believer in Christ. And so through yeah. counseling, that can come. Uh, it could be through uh, a teacher that you might have inherited or that may you may even have put in place, but that you recognize that they're not understanding the scriptures and they may be teaching a Sunday school class or they may be holding a you know, a, an addictions class in your church that is helping people deal with addictions or what other, what other, whatever other ministry you might be doing and you identify that this person is a babe in Christ or a child mm -hmm. in Christ in their, again, in their understanding and their ability to handle the word of God. That's, that's the key as to where we're, where we're at in maturity. How do we handle God's word? Is it even something that is a, a filter for any decision that we make in our life. If we're not using it as any decision, we might be saved, but we're a babe because babies don't make any wise choices in their life. They don't have any right. filters. A toddler has very few filters. We're teaching them those filters. A child has some, but they still will just go out and do whatever strikes them, whatever emotion they're feeling, they're going to react. A young adult mm -hmm. is starting to bud into this ability to handle things with filters and with 
in this case, handling the Word of God as the filter of how they're going to do life. And then when we get to a parent, the Word of God becomes the, the source for us to make decisions based on the Word of God and how we, mm-hmm. how we conduct life. So uh, identifying a Sunday school teacher or somebody that's in a position of leadership can be touchy because a lot of, a lot of us who are in those positions, and if you'd have talked to me 10 years ago, I'd have told you, yeah, I'm, I'm as mature, you know, not as yeah. I can be as far as I'm going to keep maturing, but I'm, I'm a fully matured man. Um, just like I thought when I was 20 that I was a fully ch- matured man physically. Uh, but I come to find out that there was still a lot of maturity that needed to take place in my 20s mm-hmm. and in my 30s and even in my 40s. Uh, so I'm imagining yeah. in my 50s I'm going to have more maturity that's going to have to happen as well. <laughs> and the yeah. same spiritually. But you ask an individual, are you mature? And what's their answer? I mean, you could ask a, a little toddler, are you a big boy? Oh, yeah, I'm a big boy. You know? And so spiritually, I think a lot of us are deceived into thinking we're more mature than we really are. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough. It, it's a pride thing. One of the risks that you run by not assessing where people are, how many times have we heard somebody who's been in church for a long time, who's been active in their church for a long time, and all of a sudden they've moved and gone to another church, and the excuse that they give is that they weren't growing there? Yeah. We've all heard that. You know, if I've heard that once, I've heard it a hundred times. And um, the temptation is to just say, well, that person, you know, they were just dissatisfied or they were bitter or, you know, maybe that that person should have been plugged in more because if they were in service. And then the other temptation is just to say, well, the church is not a place for you to grow. The church is a place for you to serve. That's a cliche thing. And it is true to an extent. Um, but what that means is that person is a young adult. Um, they're a young man. They've got a lot of passion and fire and they want to serve and they want to get active and they want to do stuff. Um, but they may not necessarily be adults. They may not be fully mature. They may not be fathers at that point. And so they're, they're leaving because they're recognizing that they aren't growing and they know that they ought to be growing. Maybe they're using that as an excuse. I don't know, but I think some of them do leave genuinely because they say, okay, well, I'm not growing here. Um, but the problem isn't that they're not growing. The problem is that they're not reproducing and they need to be taught how to do that. And so we shouldn't just take those things and throw them out, you know, and, and, and throw it out and make some excuse for why they're gone. But rather we ought to use those kinds of things as a learning experience to say, okay, how can we prevent any more of our young adults, not necessarily physically, but spiritual young adults from leaving with the excuse that they weren't growing here? And the way that we do that is by identifying those people and then working with them to help them to move from being young adults to fathers. And the amazing thing that we find in First John, I'll leave with this, the amazing thing that we find in First John is First John chapter 2, both times he addresses fathers, he addresses them in the same way. And so I'm going to look at that real quick. In First John chapter 2, and both times he addresses them, he says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. He says the same thing to them both times. Why? Because they're consistent, because they're there, because they're still doing the same thing. He doesn't have to give them any new instruction. In verse 13, he says that. Again, in verse 14, I have written unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. The fathers get the same thing both times because they're consistent, because they're faithful. They're rocks in that church. They're not moving anywhere. 
Um, and we need to get as many of our people to that point as we can. Yeah. The more of those kind of people you have in the reproducing, you're going to have more people that can grow more people into fathers because they're already fathers. As a parent, what's my job? My job is not just to keep my kids alive. <laughs> my job is to mature them to the point where they can become active members and, and they, they can become not just young men, but eventually they can have the maturity level to be fathers and mothers, right? That's yep. that's the goal. Yep. They say you're not raising your children, you're raising your grandchildren, right? The, the, the idea there is I'm not just raising them physically, I'm raising them so that they can be effective in raising their own children someday. Sure. And <clears throat> so those, those fathers, they're consistent, they're rocks, and we don't need to just ignore people who leave and say, hey, I'm not, I left because I wasn't growing. Maybe we need to use that as an identifier in our own church to say, okay, then how can we take the people that we do have who might be young men or children and grow them and disciple them and mature them? So those are good points, making sure that we're identifying people. And when we identify uh, maybe just a member of the congregation at large, uh, those can be identified. You know, obviously there's so many different ways that it could come about, but you could, you know, have... Uh, somebody come to you or somebody come to somebody else in the church and say, you know, I, I'd like to understand and know the Bible more. Well, that's an invitation to what? To discipleship. Because why? How am I going to understand it? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to have that foundation laid in your own life. And even if you've had somewhat of a foundation, uh, let me use this illustration. If, if, if I was a contractor, let's pretend I'm a contractor and let's pretend you're a contractor. And I, we don't know each other. But you you come in and you lay a foundation for a house and then you decide, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm not going to build the house. And for whatever reason, you back out of that uh, responsibility. And it goes for six months or a year or two years, whatever. And then the family that's wanting to build the house approaches me as a contractor and says, you know, hey, Brian, we want you to come and build this house. The foundation's already laid, but uh, we want you to build the house on it. Am I going to go in there and not inspect that foundation? Not at all. Not if I'm a wise builder, right? If I'm Mm -hmm. a wise builder, I'm going to go in and I'm going to inspect that foundation. I'm going to get it checked out and make sure. And we're going to go through that thing pretty meticulously because every moment and every effort I make to build on that foundation, if that foundation is not sure and in the time from the time you did it to the time that it was actually getting worked on, the weather could have cracked things. Other things could have come in and, and made it not sound. Maybe you were not a good contractor and you, you could build the stick part of the house, but the foundation was your worst part and you decided, I messed this up, I'm going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so spiritually, how do I know what foundation you have? I don't. And so I need to go back and I need to mm-hmm. make sure that we teach those foundational truths whether you know them or not, if you really know them, are you going to be uh, bored with it? I hope not, because that's going to be really the rest of your life is going to get spent teaching them to other people. So, mm-hmm. so if this is boring you, then that's an indicator that there's no spiritual life there at all. Because mm-hmm. these are spiritual things that are discerned spiritually, and the natural man cannot discern the things that are of the spirit. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, just by us having this tool to say to an individual, 
no matter how we've identified, but we go and approach them and we start teaching them. It's an indic. There are scriptures that teach us these indicators, and as a minister of the gospel, it gives me the tools that are necessary to be able to identify, even when I'm going through that that whole uh, teaching time, whether or not this person is really receiving it or not whether they are receiving it, if they're receiving it, where are they at, are they continuing to grow, are they getting stagnant, and so on and so forth. And so it helps us to be able to minister more effectively. Mm-hmm. And again, we're relying on what? We're relying on the use of the Word of God to accomplish these things. It's not my right. wisdom, it's not your wisdom, it's not the wisdom of other preachers that have come before us, but it's the wisdom of the Son of God and, and His Spirit and his father who we are Mm -hmm. able to employ here right if you're on a practical note if you're pastoring a larger church you may not be able to assess everybody yourself and what that comes down to is you identifying the men in your church who are classified as fathers and if you can classify those men you can teach them these truths about how to identify where somebody else is, and then bring them along, teach them how to disciple others. But you're going to have to start there because otherwise it, it's not going to get done at all. And so you got to start there. But anyway, this has gone a little bit longer than we expected. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us or ideas about anything you'd like for us to speak about. We'd love for you to reach out to us. I'll leave the information to do that in the sting. Um, on next week's episode, we're going to be talking about every pastor's favorite topic, and that's rabbit trails. And uh, so if you'll tune in next week, we'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, we'll be looking forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Thanks. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about rabbit trails. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.